Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each week, we bring you an inspiring woman who is a leader in her field, and these amazing women are role models for creating many, many things in this world. How about positive relationships? How about building your successful careers, helping you with that? Or last but not least, helping you discover your own leadership talents to follow your passion and your purpose. You know, helping women share their stories is one of my greatest joys. That's why I've continued to interview these amazing leading women for almost 10 years, and it's been the most amazing journey for all of us. I chose 19 of the best experts from these conversations to co-author my book, Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. It's available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and the business section of area bookstores. If you haven't bought your copy, if you know a woman who wants to pursue her passion and dreams, this book is for both of you. This week, I'm very, very pleased to introduce you to another amazing woman. Her name is Lauren Anderson. Lauren is a geopolitical and international security expert and consultant. She is passionate about working with women leaders and youth around the world to reduce conflict, to be an advocate for social justice, and address economic disparities. Lauren has been a global ambassador with Vital Voices since 2013. She's also served as a mentor in the Vital Voices Signature Program with the U.S. Department and Fortune Magazine's Most Powerful Women. She has created a panel on barriers women face for the Girls' 20 Summit in Istanbul, Turkey, and serves as a mentor to G20 delegates. In the U.S., Lauren is a take-the-lead ambassador, and she works tirelessly on many boards to benefit the well-being of women on an international scale. As a former FBI executive with a distinguished 29-year career, Lauren has vast experience in high-risk domestic and international situations, as well as global conflict and terrorist incidents, diplomacy, and business throughout the world. She was one of the first women on a FBI SWAT team and the first women, woman to lead FBI's office, and she was one of the first women to lead the FBI's office at the American Embassy in Paris, France, directing the FBI's engagement in 24 countries and 22 were in Africa. She also led the New York Joint Terrorism Task Force, the largest in the United States, overseeing the disruption of many terrorist plots in the U.S., Africa, and Western Europe. She is a sought-after public speaker and an expert with, women's, with the Women's Media Center. Lauren provides commentary and insight for numerous international and U.S. television, radio, print, digital outlets, and has won many, many awards, and too many to mention here. So, wow, I'm so excited to hear her story, and I'm so honored and pleased to welcome Lauren C. Anderson to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. What a vida. Oh, my goodness, you have done so, so very much. So excited to talk with you. Well, Lauren, thank you. Thank you so much for being with me this morning. And uh, where are you? Where are we talk? Where are you calling from? Where are you right now? I am currently in the New York City area. Well, you know, I wish you would have come to Gloria Feld's fundraiser. It was really fun. I was just—I just got back from New York uh, day before yesterday, and uh, 
had a wonderful time with Gloria and uh, some of the other leadership ambassadors, but we had about 60 women, and so many of them have so many questions that are, in some respects, you know, I guess the, I guess the feeling I had was that we really have a lot of work to do. You know what I mean? Because some of the some of the questions, I mean, some of the questions and some of the comments, some of these, especially younger women, were giving to the uh, to Gloria and, and different members of the of the Take the Lead group. Really, it's all about how they get along with other women. How do they how do they have mm-hmm. leadership? You know, develop their leadership skills in their companies and have a voice. So. Uh, we've got some work to do, but uh, women like you uh, are helping helping women and girls all over the world, which is amazing. But let, let me start out by talking about how did you get to be who you are, because I think our stories about who we are is something that when we share with other women, there's such great value and such great connection that can that does and can occur. So tell me about you. Okay, I will. At first, I do want to say I was disappointed to miss the event, and I always like the opportunity to see Gloria, but regrettably, um, I had another commitment. What I love to say to people, Nancy, is that my leadership journey began when I was three years old, and I don't think many people would say that. But the reason I say that <laughs> is that I had a really exceptional mom and dad And my dad was unusual for his generation. He was born in 1926, but truly my earliest memories of him talking with me about life were at about three years old. And what he used to say to me is, you can be anything that you want to be in the world, but always be the boss, Lauren. <laughs> That's great. So, of course, I took that quite literally, which my brothers had, took some issue with as we got older. But um, it was, you know, it was a wonderful way to start, and it was a wonderful message for a girl to hear from her dad. Certainly from her mom, but to hear from her sure. dad. Absolutely. That that's what's important is you can do anything you want in the world. There is nothing closed off to you, but yeah. be in charge, be the boss, yeah. be the leader, and that. That was inculcated in me from, a, as I said, a very young age. And yeah. it helped to start forming the woman that I've become today. And we can move quickly forward to age 11, which was another pivotal moment, which feeds into what became my first major career. And at 11, like many kids in the Northeast, uh, we went with our family to Washington, D.C. to visit all the sites, to go to the Capitol, the White House, And at the time, you could tour FBI headquarters, and it was the most popular tour in Washington, far exceeding the popularity of the White House and the Capitol at that point. And J. Edgar Hoover was still the director, and I was 11. And as we're taking the tour, at one point I raised my hand and said to the tour guide, can girls be FBI agents? And he looked down at me and he said, no. And I looked up at him and I said, why not? And you'll love this. The why not, the answer was because girls would spend all their time painting their nails. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, there, there you go. Hey, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> that was the beginning. And as I am, as a child and as a, a fully formed woman, I am the kind of person, if you tell me, no, I can't do something, then if it's something that matters to me, I will find a way and I will do it. 
Yeah. And uh, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, somebody that challenged you at 11 years old, that is fantastic. Okay. <laughs> All so, right. and women actually could not be agents at that point. Well, Hoover was still the director of the FBI. It took his death before women were admitted to training to become FBI agents. So, I went through college, dealt with what I call my first failure in life because I wanted to be a doctor. The yeah. FBI agent wasn't on the agenda at that point. It was all about being a doctor because... For me, and this is actually commonality with what I do now and what I was interested in as a child, and that was um, service to people, um, service to others, the importance of justice and equity. Those are qualities that have been in me for as long as I can remember. And so although that was my failure, not being able to get the grades I needed to continue in a pre-med program, you know, it put me on another path. And I firmly believe that... We can have plans in life, but sometimes life has other plans for us. And it's important that we pay attention to that and realize that one door closed doesn't mean failure. It just means a bump in the road. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think there's any mistakes in the world why, why we end up in certain places, even though we, we sometimes scratch our heads or we're disappointed, but I don't think there's ever, ever any mistakes. But uh, okay, so no doctor, no. still still working on you. So okay, FBI, okay, so keep going. This is fine. So literally 15 years after that event at FBI headquarters, um, I had a little bit earlier. I had met someone and found out how to apply for the FBI. It was nowhere near as simple as it is with the internet today. Yeah. And uh, I applied, went through the process, was introduced to a woman agent in the New York office, and I received an appointment letter to be a special agent of the FBI. And I began that job in February of 1984. And it just was extraordinary. There were still very few women. At the time, I think I was one of about 325 or so in the country, and that was probably out of about 9,000 um, agents. Well, so, you, had lot, you, all, you had a lot of firsts as far as the FBI and, and first woman in the SWAT team. What else? There were other, <laughs> there were other firsts. <laughs> there were firsts, but interestingly, Nancy, it's, for me it was never the intention of being the first woman to do something, it was driven by other things. The SWAT team, for example, it was driven by my own lack of confidence coming out of the academy, even though I had done extremely well academically, um, fitness-wise, and firearms-wise, I still was feeling insecure. So I thought, gee, if I try out for the SWAT team and if I'm able to make it, then I'll get additional tactical training. And that's what drove me to try. And, And I made it. So it was... It was just wonderful. So I would say trying to improve myself as well as looking for adventure and looking for different things to try that I viewed as a challenge, that's also part of the reasoning that got me positioned at certain points within my career to be the first woman doing a lot of different things. So it was never driven by the desire for the attention of the first one. Well, I mean, again, you came from a background where daddies sometimes want to protect our little girls, but your daddy was saying, no, 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 you can be the boss, you can be anything you want to be. So, I mean, I, you never felt any anything less than that you had the you had the ability and that you had the opportunities, and why not? And that's that's huge. That's absolutely huge for young girls and for, for women as well when somebody gets behind them and says, you can do it, you can do it. So it sounds like you I'm sorry. had had several mentors. This woman, 
the FBI agent, did she, you said you were one of 300 and so, 325 or something. Was she, did she become one of your mentors as well? That particular woman, the first woman I met, she did become a good friend. Yeah. But the one thing that was very disappointing to me when I first started in the FBI is I was looking to the other women there for help. And I was yeah. in what was characterized as the second generation of women in. Yeah. So I came in roughly 11, uh, 11 and a half years after Hoover died. But that first generation of women wanted nothing to do with us, and they figured we had to fight so hard to get here, and they would have as soon as stepped on us than helped us. Wow, yeah. Um, that's, uh, but that's, you know, it's typical for the time period, too. You're talking sure, sure. end of the well, early, mid-'80s. In some, in some arenas, it's still very, very... Very Correct. Common. So now you're 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 the first, and you didn't necessarily want to be, but again, the experience, and you're an adventurer, and you saw the world, but you saw the world much different than a lot of people. And uh, you know, I've been in forensics, I've been in uh, you know as a psychologist, I've been in different worlds as well, and it def it definitely opens your eyes to things that ne you don't necessarily want to know or see. What were some mm -hmm. of the things that, that really opened your eyes and said, okay, and I, and I see all the foundation, I see all the work that you're doing with women and children. What did you see that really motivated you to really take those next steps? What I saw when I was fortunate enough to be selected for an overseas assignment, so I spent almost five and a half years working outside the United States in Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And what I saw was an enormous amount of talent that was not being used. I saw huge swaths of the population in many of these countries, not all, many of these countries being held down. Um, I at one point had responsibility for 24 countries, the FBI's relationships with 24 countries. And out of all of those countries, there were only two where I had a woman counterpart even close to my level. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, interestingly, it was Rwanda and Niger. Yep, uh, yep. Not even France. So to me, seeing that the woman, for example, in uh, Niger also alternated her role as head of the judicial police, so head of all the detectives, if you will, with yeah. peacekeeping roles with the right. UN. Yeah. And so being involved with all these, all these people, seeing the tremendous opportunity and at the same time the lack of opportunity and the lack of role models and mentors for women and youth in so many parts of the world because in some instances it's just not culturally part of what they're about. Right. So that really drove me. That whole experience is what drove me to think about what I was going to do outside the FBI and it really started germinating the seeds, if you will, in me to take that next step when I retired from the FBI and it was thanks, this is actually when I, I began to meet Gloria is that I was selected for my first leadership program outside the FBI with the International Women's Forum, which I know you're familiar with. They have a leadership foundation. Um, I was a fellow with them, and that, as I say, exploded my world open because that put me in an environment with women across all sectors as well as women from nations all around the world. And I began to see how much more what we had in terms of expertise, knowledge, and sharing um, could go out into the broader world well beyond than what I had ever considered. Yeah. And that's when I met Gloria. Um, we got to be friends. She has been a wonderful friend as well as someone who's provided great advice and mentoring to me, for example, getting involved with the Women's Media Center. And then as she was forming Take the Lead and starting to spread it beyond herself, 
she reached out and I was honored to be one of the people she reached out to to be part of a brainstorming session which set in motion what is now what we're looking at today uh, these years later. Yeah, and and for people that don't know, take the lead primary well, major goal is not only to unite women as far as creating leadership, but by the year 20, 2025 is to have women leaders throughout the country, throughout our country, and throughout the world that, that there's gender parity. So Gloria definitely, she, she gets it, and she's so good at bringing women and men together to understand this whole principle of, of again, it, it's going to take us all. We're all we're all in this together. We have to figure out a way to really come together and make this world a better place. So you're very lucky, and I was very lucky too to, to meet Gloria. So we're I think we're on the right path, and that's there's no doubt about. It. Tell me tell me a little bit about this uh, this Vital Voices then. Okay, yeah, Vital Voices is a wonderful organization. It was um, started. Um, in 1999 by Hillary Clinton, among others. And it's a it's powerful bipartisan women. So, for example, there are co-congressional chairs, one each Republican and Democratic senators um, from our Congress. Mm-hmm. And Vital Voices is all about identifying and working with women leaders around the world, starting off in places where they had no capacity. So starting in places in the Middle East and Africa and South Asia and working on developing their own capacity regardless of what their sector may be, whether it's governance, whether it is entrepreneurial in focus, whether it is craft focused, but it's all about building that capacity. And they have a host of different programs that help with things as basic as how to write a business plan on up to the Global Ambassadors Program that I'm a part of, which pairs women who are then at a tipping point in their professional and personal lives in these other countries with very successful women around the world, regardless of their sector. And the beauty of this is so many programs pair people up based on like professions or like academic backgrounds. Vital Voices doesn't do that. They look at the skill set. And if the skills that somebody needs further help developing reside in a certain category, let's say um, long-term strategy, prioritization of work, uh, developing good organizational structure, doesn't matter who provides that expertise and works with them on that. And that's the beauty of it. So through that program, although I had a background in law enforcement and intelligence and diplomacy, I have worked with a woman entrepreneur in Cairo who has her own executive coaching business. I have a Somali obstetrician gynecologist that I work with, (laughs) a Filipino businesswoman, and I am now coaching uh, one woman in Beirut, Lebanon, who has her own business making sweets and cookies, and another one who has a tech startup in Gaza. Yeah. Um, I I attended, and I'm still involved with this Women's Economic Forum, and and I attended this, uh, not this year, I couldn't make it this year, but last year in New Delhi, and There were women from 126 countries. It was Mm. probably the most valuable, most important, most life-changing experience I've been through for five days. But the women were, I mean, you know, and I guess that's something that I really wanted to bottle and bring back to the United States, but the support and the excitement and the desire for women to want to work together was so Mm -hmm. extremely valuable 
I mean, you couldn't walk across one, the room without getting six women who said, "Hey, I really like what you're doing. Let's work together." And, mm-hmm. and I think, and I think that's something that, if you know, like I said, if I could have bottled it and brought it back to the United States, and I and I talk about it all the time because, you know, it's there. It's it's there. There there is this desire in this group of women that are so eager and so excited to lift other women up and to work with them and to do whatever, whatever they can to help support them to, to accomplish their goals and their dreams. And it sounds like that's what Vital Voices is doing uh, one woman at a time. But, uh, yeah, I'll need to, I, I want to get you more information about the Women's Economic Forum. They do great work, too. Yeah, yeah, that's, what it t- that's all it takes is, is when you find a, a, another woman who really uh, lifts you up and just says, hey, what can we do together? What can we work and do together? You know, and these were, and, and, and what I think I really liked about this, Lauren, was that these were women. They were women leading as women. They mm-hmm. were beautiful women. They were intelligent women. They weren't disguising themselves as women, men. You know, they were women. And this was, this was exciting. This is so exciting what's going on. It's hugely on. exciting. I think there's a momentum building right now with organizations like the one you work with, uh, Women's Economic Forum, with Vital Voices, with another one called Girls 20, yeah. with Red Dot Foundation. They're all over the world. And for me, I see this tremendous momentum building worldwide. And just exactly what you're talking about at that event, I just came back from an event in Nepal with entrepreneurs from Nepal and India. Right. And I really think we're at a tipping point because women are, by nature, collaborative. And the very thing that you just mentioned is what I see at every event I go to with any of these myriad organizations that I'm involved with is how can we help each other? And now they're looking like I just was asked to be the board chair for Safe City in India and also on the advisory board for another organization called um, Beyond Diversity, which has created one of the only women on boards organizations in India. Yeah. So we're at a great point, I think. We have a lot of work to do, like you said, but I think we're at an amazing point in terms of a tipping point with collaborating and bringing women together across diverse cultures and countries to be as one. Well, we're calling at the – my daughter and I are doing these events together. She's a transformational life coach, and, and of course, I'm a psychologist. We're doing Mm -hmm. Leading with the Divine Feminine because we really, really are out there talking about women – Finally getting to be women, finally using these talents and these abilities to collaborate, to communicate, to see the big picture, see the details, but yet still being feminine and vulnerable enough to to reach out. There's something amazing when, when, in fact, I will tell you how the book came about, The the Leading Women. I was Mm -hmm. doing a a podcast. I was talking to a woman such as yourself, and, and I said to her, I said, Mary, I said, how can I help you to to reach your goals and to you know fulfill your mission and your passion in life? And it got it, it became very quiet on the other end of the line. And mm-hmm. I thought maybe she maybe the call dropped. And I and I said, Mary, Mary, you still there? And then this little voice said, You mean you want to help me? And and wow. you know what that 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 changed the way I viewed everything that I was doing. It's not that I I think I was doing it at at some other intuitive level, but that really changed the way I started do, doing and thinking about things because all I had to do was say, "How can I help you?" And she, I mean, and it, it changed the relationship. It changed everything mm-hmm. when that collaboration uh, comes about and you truly can join forces and take your strengths, their strengths, 
and create this, these wonderful opportunities and then gather other people into that, into that uh, whole, whole path, that whole journey. And it's just uh, it's so much fun. And I think that's the best part. It's so much darn fun. <laughs> it's great fun. And I completely see how that was such you know, a seminal and pivotal event because when somebody who hasn't had that opportunity has someone like you say to them, how can I help? What can I do? What do you need? So many people have never had someone ask them that question. And I think that is the beauty of what you do, what your daughter sounds to be doing, what Take the Lead does, what Vital Voices does, Girls 20. It's it's all about that. And it is truly transformative for people. And they're so grateful that their desire to go out and help one another, I think, begins to grow exponentially after an experience like that. You know, it's, 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 Lauren, it's interesting because I think, again, by telling your story, there's so many women that when they look at someone like you that's extremely accomplished, uh, that's, that's had all these life experiences, professional and personal experiences, they, they say it must have been so easy for her. She's, mm-hmm. she's got it made. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of all of what we do is when we actually do sit down and we do tell our stories to one another, we find out, hey, you know, we, we've, we've got this school of hard knocks that we've all been through, and we can share those experiences as well. And, and like you said, sometimes the disappointments are really what creates the opportunities for us in our lives as well. But, again, those life lessons, when we share those, are so extremely valuable. I love this term, and I, I, I want to make sure I get it out there. I love it because you are a justice warrior. I love <laughs> that. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm going to ask you a, probably a, a question that you probably haven't been asked before, but what is your birth time? Libra. I, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it written down here, and I've got it circled, Libra. I am also I'm also a Libra. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, well, there's justice and fairness and balance and and you know and it's 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 been hard living in a world that sometimes you don't see that you know so I, I just had to ask you because I thought I oh my God I bet she's a Libra. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that we share, Nancy, which is oh. many among many things, which is absolutely oh. fabulous. But yeah, I would say I'm a classic Libra in many regards. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. Well, let me just uh, let me ask you about one thing because it, it really seemed like this is something that's extremely important to you, and, and I want to make sure that we discuss it. The Red mm-hmm. Dot uh, Foundation, the Global Safety Foundation. Tell me more about that because that sounds like something is, that you've just really, really taken on as one of your true projects, along with Take the Lead. Absolutely. So. The Red Dot Foundation, Safe City, was started um, by a woman named Elsa De Silva in India who had spent over 20 years in the aviation industry. And after the horrific rape and torture um, with the ultimate death of the young Indian doctor back in 2012, Elsa said, I have to do something about this for the sexual violence and street harassment that girls and women face in India. So she, along with a couple of women, founded... Safe City, Red Dot Foundation is the overall umbrella, and Safe City is was at the time it was created, and we still believe it is the only crowd-sourced and crowd-mapped platform for women and girls to share their stories of things that have happened to them in public spaces. So it can range from 
from verbal harassment on up to actual sexual violence. And at this point, Elsa has got a lot of people doing analytics for her, and they've collected more than 50,000 separate stories from women, and it has allowed them to plot this. And they have joined forces with the police in four major cities in India, and they have successfully identified hotspots of this activity that the police agencies were unaware of. So it is creating change in those areas of India, and we are now expanding, and Elsa has decided to go global and honored me by asking me to be her global board chair of directors. And it has now expanded into Nepal, Trinidad and Tobago, uh, Nigeria, Cameroon, Kenya, and um, two countries in Scandinavia are looking to come on board. Argentina will be coming on board in the fall. I'll be down there to help launch things. And we will also be launching here in the United States in September of this year. And in addition to what it does on the streets, we're looking at ways, because this is an anonymous reporting system but a validated one, we're looking at ways as to how this might be used in the work environment and on college campuses in the United States. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to ask the question and you already answered it. So, yeah, absolutely, because it's amazing when we give women voices and we encourage them to use their voices, anything is possible, anything can occur. So, well, congratulations on that. That sounds like a wonderful program. Yeah, and I could see that in so many any in so many other uh, like the workforce as you said and also in in the on the college campuses is that we need to speak up, use those voices. They're so darn powerful and so important. So so what if, what have I failed to ask you that you want to share today? Because I think that sometimes is the best question that we can ask is what did I not ask? What did I fail to test? What did we fail to, to talk about? You know what I'd love to bring into the end of the conversation, Nancy, is um, Gloria Felt and I have talked about over the past few years, you know, once as Take the Lead has been growing exponentially in the United States, yeah. the value that we see in expanding this in a more international capacity and also directly targeting certain communities. So, for example, I do a lot of work with the immigrant and refugee community in the Portland, Maine area. And so communities like that and some of the women in the different organizations that I work with and that Gloria works with would benefit. You know, and to that end, last year we talked about trying to get Take the Lead to have a session, which we succeeded in with the Leadership Foundation Fellows from the International Women's Forum. And last September was the first time that um, a partial version of the nine power tools were presented. And that's a group of, I think they were 28 or 30 women from around the world, all different sectors, now being exposed and learning from Take the Lead and the power tools. And they can take that back. So for me, the, the possibilities for taking Take the Lead international, and what that has the capacity to do to transform women leaders around the world, I think is huge. And I hope that that's something that we can continue to build on because I believe so strongly in everything about Take the Lead. And I see its utility in so many parts of the world. And I think it would just add additional value to organizations like the ones you're involved with, the ones I'm involved with, and a great amplifier of voices. Yeah. No, I I, I definitely see that. You know, we're 
in the United States is so key that we developed these leadership, the 50 women, the, the 50 women program, and throughout the United States. But mm-hmm. uh, it's gonna it's gonna take us all. And and I think that as as I was mentioning, the the extreme excitement, the extreme energy that you get from the international uh, women's organizations and women's uh, women taking taking on leadership positions is just so valuable in itself. And I think I think when we see the greater good and the greater strength of what we're doing, it, it always makes it even more interesting and more exciting. And yeah, I, I think there's a huge possibilities of everything that we're talking about. And of course, it's it's always great to me, to meet another. Uh, leading woman such as yourself because whether you like it or not you now you're one of the leading women in my in my crew so i love that. i'm honored by that nancy i'm well, honored and i look forward to many more conversations with you both well, on and off the podcast you know you will you you know we will have those and and of course women connect for good my foundation our foundation is is partnering with take the lead so i totally totally absolutely believe in in what we're doing and Look forward to all the different uh, pathways and journeys that we'll make that will that will just create such a wonderful, a better world. I'm all, uh, also I think Libras were all about creating a better world. A better I completely world. agree. <laughs> well, I completely right, agree. From, from one justice warrior to the next, then uh, thank you, Lauren, for your time, your energy, and your passion. And yes, and we will talk again. Thank uh, you so much, Nancy. Have a great day.